but usually when there's a lot of releases in WWE, I get texts from promoter like release day is the worst day to be Kimmy Sobel. Okay. Because I get a lot of texts from a lot of promoters because once those 90 days are up, you know you're going to see them at a convention. So it's who's going to be, who's going to make money here? Who's going to make money there? What do you think this talent's going to do? Like the last time they did it, my phone legitimately crashed. Oh, man. For like an hour. Wow. Because of how many people were texting me. And I was like, I just want to see who's released and I can't because you broke my phone. It was so bad. So release day is the worst day to be me. So <laughs> thankfully we haven't had it in a while. Yeah. It's time. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's start the show. Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and uh, it's been just a few months, but the interview was so much fun, and I realized afterwards that there was so much I wanted to talk about that we missed the last time, and times have changed a little bit in my guest's life since the last time she's been on, but this week's guest is Kimmy Sokol. Kimmy, how are we doing today? I'm good. Yeah, you're right. There has been some things that changed. We graduated college. We were on a media scrum. I actually just got media tickets for Grand Slam like two hours ago. So things are changing. Life is great. (laughs) Here we are. Well, and that's where if uh, for those people who remember the last time I had you on, I was already I was talking about how you're 21 years old and I was thinking of the things you've done in your 21 years of life where 34 year old me was so jealous that like where I've made it, but I, it seems like you've gone above and beyond that at, at such an early age. And then since you've been on, you've had even more experiences. I'll just make me even all the more jealous. So I, uh, I feel like I make it somewhere at times, but then I look at your credentials and I'm like, all right, maybe I've made it somewhere. Just not quite to your success, but uh, the fact that you are still humble enough to come on to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast is very much appreciated. Of course. We had so much fun the last time. I was so excited when you texted me earlier this week. You wanted me back on. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, I was like, and I think, I mean, well, you could probably end up being a recurring guest at some point, and then because I still see your future is getting brighter. And it seems like, you know, sky's the limit. Like, next time I'll have you on, you'll be like, well, when I was on in August of 2023, I've only done so much at this point, but now I've done even more. I have a feeling that's how I'll end up being, so. But then I feel like, so I remember when I announced that I was going on the media scrum, it was like a week after I had my interview with Athena and this guy commented on my Facebook. He was like, are you turning into Tony Khan with all your announcements? You keep <laughs> announcing something every week. And I said, that's not my fault that all these things happen one after another. If it was up to me, I'd have a break. But unfortunately, that's not how my life works out. Oh, that's fair. But in a sense, I, man, even since you've been on, so you're, you're out of New York and you're in New York right now, correct? Correct. Okay, and I, I got to get my mind in that kind of mindset because I'm, I'm so used to the whole Midwest and everything. I've been out to New York once, but and then I just have to realize how much, 
how much more accessible different events are around the East Coast. And uh, but you've expanded from the East Coast. I think even since you've been on here too. So yes. Yeah, so if I remember, I think at, when I did your show last, I think it was right after my indie show so i've been to baltimore i've been to florida i'm going to chicago in a couple weeks so yeah we've expanded actually chicago will be the 11th state that wrestling has brought me to which ele- is insane 11th state okay yeah i'm I'm thinking of the states i've i've worked the chicago area for uh with my ring announcing i've done that a couple times of course i worked in nebraska and iowa and kansas and I might be missing a state, but that's been about it. So I, you know, I'm I'm getting out there a little bit, but then you're like, oh, I have 11 states, so what now? <laughs> Except you're you're not that mean about it either. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I've uh, I think you're a lot more humble than what I just made you sound to be. <laughs> well, my personal friends just are like, are you ever in New York for longer than 24 hours? And I said, yeah, you just catch me at really busy weekends. <laughs> Like, they're trying to, like, when I went to Vegas for Double or Nothing, they're like, oh, my God, you want to do something for Memorial Day? And I said, no, I'm in Vegas for five <laughs> days. You know this. Why are you never in New York? I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> New York's just not happening enough right now. Like <laughs> It's not. Well, after graduation, I was traveling consistently for, like, two months. It was, like, Baltimore to Vegas to Florida to my grad party. And I was like, where's the break yeah well and that's why i remember because when you were on last time it was probably like i don't know maybe at most five or six weeks before graduation i remember specifically you just gotten done doing the whole wrestlemania weekend and uh so yeah it's it's been a few months but i've i've seen you know we stay friends on social media so i see your stock just continues to rise and your experience just continues to rise and what was it you hit a milestone with the amount of wrestlers you've now worked with did i see that too yes i've officially reached a hundred i believe at the moment i haven't updated my list i think i'm at a hundred and three carlito in his last independent booking was my 100th town oh there you go there you go that's that's still incredible um i cannot tell you how many wrestlers i've worked with it's not that many uh, as far as like the bigger names because you know I, I work in the industry too so i'm around wrestlers all the time but we've brought in we've brought in james storm a number of times we've brought in hernandez uh eric bischoff i worked with him once that was cool but I don't know. I just I, I see all that you do, and I continue to get jealous. But I'm I'm proud of my friend too. I'm glad that you know I'm able to call you a friend. You're on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast now for the second time, and uh, been looking ever since I reached out to you. I'm like, all right, we have this interview booked. It's going to be so much fun. Let's dive right in. <laughs> yes, thank you. I think the thing with like me keeping up. So on my wall closest to my bed, I have a picture of like every single wrestler I've worked with in chronological order. And on the back, oh. it's like the date, the wrestler, the promoter I worked with, and like what we did. So like this convention, this virtual signing, this independent show. So I, I keep track. I have their, I have OCD. I keep track of everything. So no problem. is it like, like some of those talent that you've worked with and, uh, and met numerous times, like your Maria Canellis and your Britt Baker, do you count each and every time working with them or do you just count like them as one person? Them as one person. So like when I worked with Britt and Adam in LA, I worked with Britt prior. So I only counted Adam. I didn't count Britt twice. Okay. Okay. 
So that's the way to go. And then, because otherwise, if I'm like, okay, how many times? Ha- I mean, do you know how many times you would have worked with X, Y, and Z stars, or do you just you just know how many you've worked with in general? I only know the amount of people I worked with in general. I think Brit's at like four or five, and it's very funny because I've worked with Brit in a numerous number of states. Like I've oh, never yeah. worked with Brit t- like twice in one state. It's like Maryland, Pennsylvania, California. And I don't know if I said Maryland or not. You, you did, but so I'm miss I'm missing one. I can't think of what it is. But I was like, wow, we can't even work in like my home state of New York together. Oh, Come so on, you, you haven't actually met her in New York, but you've met her in so many other places. No, I mean I saw her in Florida. That's where she signed my graduation cap, and she was like, I made it on here. And I said, why wouldn't you make it on here? Come on, Bray. Well, and I, I wanted to talk about that, too, and so we might as well bring it up now, because last time you were on here, and I, I was hearing it for the first time, and it seems like, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've posted it multiple times before then, but I was, like, less oblivious afterwards, where I've seen so many times where you said, at the age of four, when you grew up, you wanted to be Kimmy, and now, I mean, do you feel like Kimmy? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I do and I don't because I feel like this is everything that four-year-old would have wanted. And I remember even sitting when I was in L.A., when I was in that that private suite at Crypto with my friends, I was like, I made it. Like, I'm sitting in a private suite watching WWE. Like, this is the life. But then it's like, there's so much more I want to do. Like, when I was in Vegas... I said to myself, like, why am I going as a fan? I should be working. I should be doing media stuff. Like, I missed the Tony Khan media call. Like, I should have applied for media credentials. I had the document to apply for media credentials. Why didn't I apply? So it's like that balance of, am I Kimmy? Is this what Kimmy wanted? Or does Kimmy need to do more? It's a very unhealthy balance I'm out of my life right now. Fair enough. Well, and I think we talked about it last time, but I'll just reiterate, like, you know, sometimes on that stepladder of success and where you get to succeed, you have some setbacks along the way, or you have people who say, no, you know, you didn't get the uh, uh, WWE media credentials or whatever it was for WrestleMania weekend, uh, but then you were talking about oh, where all the other doors opened up that same weekend, and you still kept very busy, so, like, I don't know. I mean, it's, you don't necessarily have to look at those uh, rejections to say, oh, well, this is what stopped me from being Kimmy, so, like, I don't know. That's that's my little piece of encouragement for you, if you will. And I mean, I didn't get WrestleMania, but I got Death Before Dishonor. So, like, that worked out better in my favor, I feel. Yeah, see, there you go. There you go. And it's just, normally the expression goes when one door or closes and another door opens. But it seems like with you, when one door closes, four or five other doors open. So you, uh... I don't know. And still, at the age of 21, we're making 34, 34-year-old Johnny Cadillac all the more jealous, but again, happy for his friend's success. So. My editor for the website, Rafer, always says, like, Kimmy finds a way. I don't know how. I don't know what she does, but she always finds a way. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's just my motto. Always find a way. <laughs> so one thing that I don't think I've talked to you about at all, whether it's through messaging or or um, anything, any interaction. I know I haven't talked to you about it on on the podcast yet, but seems like what's been making headlines over the last week in the pro wrestling scene is a friend of yours uh, that I think like one of the first ever times 
or one like right after I added you on social media, you were talking about your YouTube channel or whatever, and you mentioned that you were friends with Izzy, and uh, and then I I even watched the interview you did with her, and now she's getting ready to make her wrestling debut. Like, how excited are you for her? I'm so excited. I remember when she like earlier this week when she dropped like her gear picture. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. So uh, the first time I met Izzy was in 2019 at WrestleMania weekend. And I was, like, so scared to go up to her because I'm a very shy, introverted person. Right. I was like, who is Izzy to me? Like, who am I to Izzy? Like, what? And just to be able to see her growth from, like, that little eight-year-old kid that you should go to NXT every single week in the front row to see her make her debut at Mission Pro. I mean, how could do not be excited about that. I feel like this weekend for Izzy shows that like if you put your mind to it, dreams can come true because this is what Izzy has said since her beginning in NXT, like the whole when she started to make a name for herself, like I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. Even in the interview I did with her, I talked about like she has scoliosis and she beat scoliosis and was able to make her debut this weekend so i'm so excited for my friend i hope she kicks jasmine allure's ass and she gets the big w and i guess it goes without saying by the time this podcast airs she would have had her debut so hopefully we we see it a number in the win column for her um in reflection by the time people are listening to this but uh yeah that's so exciting i have met her i don't even want to say i met her but it was like Right when AEW started kind of cautiously opening their doors to fans uh, at the tail end of the pandemic, and they'd let more and more fans into different events, I went to All Out in, was it 2020? Or 2020? Yeah, I believe it was 2020. It was the night Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, Mimosa Mayhem, that was the big thing. And uh, me and my buddy Walter Zalea, who I know him through the Jericho cruise, we had this moment like, we just had this like, oh, fun rivalry in our friendship because Walter is the biggest Jericho fan I've ever met in my entire life. So it's fitting I met him through a Chris Jericho sanctioned event, as in the Jericho Cruise. And so we we had this thing. I was I was poking fun at him, so I was Team Orange Cassidy, and and he was Team Chris Jericho. And I wore an Orange Cassidy shirt that day. Walter wore one of his four billion Chris Jericho shirts he owns. And it was the whole thing is the first time I ever remember hearing fans singing along with uh, to Judas was on the second Jericho cruise. So that was a special moment for Walter and I where I uh, ignored my team Orange Cassidy at that moment and we're singing along. And then the camera just happens to pan over to us at the very end of 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 Judas playing and we high fived and that seemed to like make. <laughs> make it everywhere and then even where Kenny Omega was doing like the initial press release for what would eventually be the AEW Fight Forever video game and they're like we brought fans back and they show Walter and I there and we're like hey we have our moment <laughs> and um anyway I got way ahead of myself but I anybody who listens to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast knows I'm all about that it's what this podcast is all about those rabbit trails everywhere anyway like Izzy was there, and I, I remember that the two faces I saw that I recognized in the crowd was Izzy and Noel Foley, and at one point there they are hanging out with each other, and I'm like, oh, look at them, I'm not talking to either of them, and and Izzy and her parents walk by, and, and Walter says hi, and and her parents say hi back, and then they just keep walking past us, so that's my 
my only Izzy involvement so far, but uh, it's so because I I remember it like it was yesterday. She was that Bailey fan at those NXT shows, and it just blows my mind that here she is now, now making her debut. And I'm like, I know she's not eight anymore, but man, <laughs> Izzy is actually one of the over one hundred wrestlers I've gotten the chance to work with. Oh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> Fun fact. It, it, that was that, that was so cool for us too. Because like she knew my convention work because I've seen her at WrestleCon Dallas and I saw her at WrestleCade, but we never worked together. And I remember when that promoter asked me to work with Izzy, I text her immediately. I'm like, guess who's working with you in Jersey? And she's like, Who? I said, Me. She's like, No way. <laughs> I said, Yeah. So it was uh me, her, and Tessa. And it was like so cool. I was like, Look at us making it in the world <laughs> me and you making it big that was really cool but yeah i'm just so excited to see her succeed and saturday is the beginning of a very long successful wrestling journey for her oh yeah most definitely what do you think of her gear she re- revealed that the other day too i loved it i knew it was gonna be something bailey inspired like i just had that feeling <laughs> and i mean she looks amazing in it it's such an amazing tribute bailey I know commented on it. I think yesterday. Yeah, I, I saw that on Izzy. Twitter X, whatever we want to call it now. And yeah, X Twitter something. <laughs> it's always Some Twitter app. to me. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Some app, but yeah, I love the gear. I think it's an amazing tribute to something that everyone knows her for, which is that Bailey fan. And even though she's obviously expanded and now she's done so many things besides just be that Bailey fan, I think it's a tribute to those that have known her from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, it's cheers to her success. She's got a, a very bright future. Have you ever met, I mean, we're talking about like kind of kids in the wrestling business or so to speak. Have you ever met negative one Brody Jr.? Have you met him yet? No, have not met him yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much he does outside of like the occasional, like, oh, you know, occasional AEW entrances or whatever else or being on TV at, for Cody Rhodes entrance at WrestleMania, but. I, I met Nolan. I haven't met Brody, but I met Nolan. Oh, okay. <laughs> so because you- where were we? It was Double or Nothing Fan Fest, and he was like scissoring everybody. I think it was Willow's line that he was just scissoring everybody in Willow's <laughs> line. So I've met one of the Huber sons, not the other. All right, fair enough. I just know that, you know, and that's where, like, you know, when, when Brody's unfortunate passing, but then he, uh, Brody Jr. gets that, that AEW contract at such an early age, and, and he's gone on press releases, and, and they're like, now, do you still expect to be in AEW when you're when you're old enough, like, when you do actually get to the age where you can start wrestling? And it's like a no-brainer for him. He goes, well, yeah, of course. And uh, so I, I, hope, I hope he follows that dream, and it's just so good to see... Izzy living that dream too. Like that was a lot of what people expected seeing her as a child and you know, that she would follow that aspiration. And you know, I, uh, I, it, it's great for me because I grew up as a wrestling fan too. And I always wanted to be involved and I had people saying, well, yeah, well that, that's just a phase for you. It's going to die out. And you know, I haven't, I haven't made it to certain levels of success yet, but I've, I still have my resume, so to speak, and um, so that's just something I'm able to smile about. That hey, uh, remember when you said I'd grow out of this? Well, I'm I'm never growing up. Like this is a part of me. Here we are. 
I love telling people that I proved them wrong. It's like my favorite thing to tell people all the time. Now, remind remind us, uh, you, you talked about your story on the last time you were on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk. You were 10 years old. Was it 10 years old when you went to your first TNA event? You were Ooh, 8 I years old. Eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, my bad. I'm off a little bit, but it wasn't... You fell in love with it at that point, but it wasn't necessarily the dream right away, or was it? Like, Did you know right away you wanted to be involved in the wrestling business some way, somehow, or when did you eventually figure that part out for you? I knew right away. Okay. Like, I couldn't picture myself doing anything else. Like, whatever I felt that day, like July 2nd, 2010, it was like, I was never going to feel this way about anything else in my life. And I knew that somehow, some way, I had to get involved. I didn't know how. And I guess I found my way somehow. <laughs> that, that's where I thought 10, because it was 2010. So that's where I knew, it's I knew close. there was a reason why 10 was in my head somewhere. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm just anxious to see, like, see uh, and interact with you come you know january when we're on the jericho cruise because like i i think it's it's almost i don't want to say a given but like there's gonna be so many talent in that who just will know who you are and it's like where's kimmy's talent badge at this point like she she's in there with the rest of them she might be a little younger but like so i told nyla rose in march because i know she goes on i think she's been on every single one of the cruises but I know she's been on a couple of them anyway. Yeah, so I told her, I was like, oh, by the way, me and some of the promoters were going to go on the Jericho cruise. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't want to leave the country with you. <laughs> and I was like, why? And she goes, because I don't trust you. I might throw you overboard. And I said, well, my parents aren't going to be on the cruise. So if you throw me overboard, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there are some talent that know I'm going, right? but obviously, I don't think any of the talent that's been announced so far, I've worked with Oh, yet. okay. Well, here's the thing. But it's early. Yeah, well, I mean, they announced, like, the bulk of talent. Like, to my understanding, there, there's Jericho, you know, selects all, well, he has Brad Williams, who decides the, the uh, comedian talent, so he pays Brad Williams so much more money. And then he's like, hey, I already have so much on my plate. Can you pick the comedians? This is more of your world. I know you'll be able to provide good comedians for, for my cruise. Can you do that? And Brad Williams is all about it because, you know, he's he's a giant kid fan at, at heart himself and just at his short height. And, uh, and he does a great job. And so then Jericho will then book the rest of the talent as far as the legends and... Um, and pretty much everyone outside of the AEW talent, and that's where Tony Khan comes in, and they look at the current storylines at that point. So you'll have so the bulk of the the talent announced right away, or we just had what not even a month ago we had all the main names outside of AEW, and then those AEW names we'll find start finding out like maybe a couple months before January, because like I don't even know if like. Tony Khan or Chris Jericho at this point has any idea for sure on some of those. I know your friend Britt Baker at one point I requested, she goes, hey, I have to be back on this next Jericho cruise. I think that was a, the third Jericho cruise after being on the second one. And that was really cool. She was champion at that time too. So it was, it was a champion stepping up saying, even though we don't have the biggest names here per se, 
I need to be on that cruise. So she was one of the first names announced, and that was that was really cool just for cruisers to be like, this is how cool this trip is, this vacation is, that Britt Baker is saying, yeah, you, you got to book me on it. <laughs> well, that's cool. I haven't... I haven't told her, but I believe I'm seeing her in Chicago. So Chicago is when I'll let her know that I'm going on there, the cruise. There you I'll, be go. Like, I'll be like, do you know if you're going on the cruise? <laughs> Brit? So I think this last cruise she was not on. So clearly it means she's due for another one. So Maybe because she knows I'm going, she'll go. Oh, yeah. Well, That's, that seems to be a recurring thing. Like if she knows I'm going somewhere, it's like, okay. I'm here now. <laughs> She'll stick up for you with Nyla Rose. <laughs> no, so she yelled. So in June, we were in Florida, and she was waiting for her car, like whoever was working with her, her car to come to the front because it was pouring. So I was talking to her, and these two creepy guys were like berating her. So I was like, yo, back up. Like, you can't be near Brit. So we were talking about, you know, like living in Florida, because obviously we were on her home turf. Sure. And this and the security guard comes up to me and she was like, you can't be on this side of the table. Can you go to that side? And Britt was like, I would have messed with Kimmy if I was you. She's a little intimidating. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm doctor approved. Doctor approved. I love it. Oh. <laughs> uh. That doctor, that DMD herself. Yeah. No, I'm just willing to bet that one, especially once the the AEW talent gets announced, um, that there's going to be a handful of names at minimum that you would have. And who knows? Even between now and January, there could be names on the Jericho Cruise that you would have worked with at that point to add to add to those pictures of that collection you have going and. I have to add to it, but the problem is my dad wants to redo my room, so he's like, you need to take all the pictures down for us to repaint it, and I'm like, I really don't want to take them down. <laughs> so <laughs> It time took consuming. so long for me to take them up, and now you want me to take them all down. Just for them to go back up again, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to go back <laughs> exactly. up, but I also have like a lot of other things on my wall. Right. Like, I have plaques. I have an 18 by 24 signed painting of Brit. So to take everything down to put it back up is going to be a very large task I don't want to do. <laughs> That's fair enough. So I think, and you've kind of alluded to it already, um, and I just want to give you a chance to brag about it and talk about your experience all the more, but you did, you've done some Ring of Honor work recently, like those media scrums, and I think since you've been on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk last, as mentioned, how was that for you? Tell us about it. So I remember when they announced that Death for Dishonor was coming to the Cure Arena. Now, I graduated in the Cure Arena. My college graduation was there. So I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I applied. Now, I was told no by Ring of Honor earlier this year for Supercard of Honor in LA. So I was like, you know, the chances are really slim, but you know, what's the worst that could happen? And so I remember we were waiting and we were waiting and we were waiting and I was like, this is taking too long. Like it's literally two weeks before the show and I haven't heard anything back. Like I probably didn't get it, but it, it's okay. Like I had bought tickets anyway, so I was going no matter what. And so for my shoot job, I'm, I'm a bus counselor in the morning. Okay. So I remember my phone just started blowing up. 
look at your email, look at your email, look at your email, look at your email. And I was like, oh, no. And I look at my email. Congratulations. You've been approved. I start crying my eyes out. I was like, there's no way. It's happening. Okay. I have a new a newfound purpose for today. Yeah. Here we go. So now it's like I have two weeks to prepare. I low-key have no idea what I'm doing, but whatever. And earlier that week, I got an interview with Athena, who I've also worked with. So that was really cool because Athena's only seen me in the convention light. She hasn't seen me in the media light. So for her to see me in that light, it was like, wow, Kimmy does more than just work at a convention. (laughs) And I'm minion number 204. She has deemed me minion 204. All right. So I don't know what the other 203 minions had to do. Like, I don't understand why I couldn't get an earlier number. Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Let her do her. Yeah. So I was very nervous because obviously, like, I've done the media calls where I've talked to Tony Khan virtually. But to have this man stand five feet away from you, (laughs) it's a whole different atmosphere because you're like, that could potentially be my future boss. Right. Like, that's the goal. That man's going to be my future boss one day. And then, like, I don't want to ask a stupid question. Like, what if I ask, like, a dumb question and I don't want to say the wrong thing? I I don't, like I said, I don't know what I'm doing. So I was, like, sitting there and I had in my mind, I think, like, from the moment I got the email, like, this is my question, Tony Khan. And it might be stupid, but I know it. And the other thing is they don't tell you ahead of time who's going to be on the scrum. So it's kind of like you have to in the moment think. So I anticipated Daniel Garcia being on the scrum because I had a hundred percent guarantee that man was going to win the pure title. I had three questions prepared for him and then he lost. And I was like, no, I was so upset because I've worked with Daniel. Right. Daniel loves me. Okay. And I was like, no, this can't happen. Oh, no. Same thing with the kingdom. Right? I had my questions for the kingdom for Maria. I was going to be our crowning moment. Me and Maria on a media scrum. The kingdom lose. And I was like, this isn't going my way. No, not at all. This is, this, this, this is not going my way. And I remember when Athena was in the main event, I was like, please let Athena win. Please let her win. Cause I need, I want to ask Athena another question because, you know, I already interviewed her three days ago, but. You know, it's okay. We can ask her more questions. And thankfully, she won. And we were sitting there, and Claudio and Shibata were first. And, like, I didn't want to be, like, the first person to ask a question. I wanted to, like, wait, see what other people were doing. Right. Shibata, because he doesn't speak English, I was like, I'll just wait. Like, let, let's take our time. And then I was the first question for Athena. And then she started crying because she was emotional for the main event. And my other friends who don't watch wrestling were just watching the press conference because they knew how big of a deal it was for me. Sure. They're like, you made her cry. What's wrong <laughs> with you? I was like, she was crying before she walked in the room. <laughs> Let's get that perfectly clear. I did not make her cry. All I did was ask her what's next after the main event. And she got emotional. And then I asked my wonderful Tony Khan question and that got covered by Fightful. So I guess I did something right. And I remember like on the way home, I was like, I made it. Like, this is it. I can retire tomorrow. <laughs> I did. I've done everything I want to do at this point. And then I got to do it all the next day for collision. There you go. Do you remember what your Tony Khan question was? 
I had asked him because for me personally, I like the Ring of Honor tapings when they're in Florida, like in the Orlando TV studio. Okay. I don't like when he does it before and after collision. So I had asked him, does he think of maybe going back to Orlando or does he prefer doing it before and after collision? And he had said that he thinks he's open to going back to Orlando, but he likes having like the Ring of Honor talent being there for collision because then they could be on collision. So like Mercedes Martinez is on collision this week. Right. So she'll probably be on Ring of Honor next week. So it gives her an opportunity to be on TV, like on TNT, and then also be on Ring of Honor. So it gives them that exposure, which I understood. But I just feel like the crowd's more alive in Orlando. Well, and then that's one of the main things I, I appreciate about having interactions with you and following you on social media and being friends with you. And you have your, your Kimmy Talks wrestling pages. And because my whole thing is like, I will never say there's such thing as too much wrestling, but sometimes it can get a little overwhelming with, with all the different companies and all the different products. And then, you know, we both work in the wrestling business too. And, uh, you know, and, like I don't have a lot of free time as it is, and then I make points in my free time to get caught up on certain things, or I usually always have Monday nights free, so I'm watching Raw or whatever else. But with Ring of Honor, you know, you have to have Honor Club to watch it, and then they're never anywhere near me for their their tapings. The, I think the closest for me is Kansas City, and that's three and a half hours away. And the one time I was able to do that was before Tony Khan even bought Ring of Honor. And uh, so, like, I haven't really been able to keep up with... I follow Ring of Honor on, like, Instagram, so every week I see their match card listing and, and everything, but then I don't really know anything. And then Kimmy Talks Wrestling shows up, and then here's Kimmy giving her detailed experience and uh, the match and her thoughts on it. And I'm like, all right, I have a source. <laughs> I remember... So my comp tickets for Double or Nothing were actually in the media section. I don't why oh but that's where they were and i was like that's really interesting okay <laughs> maybe a little foreshadow right so i was sitting with one of the media guys that i know and he asked me he's like is there a reason that you just do ring of honor and i said well because not a lot of people watch it and i feel like if you want to follow ring of honor i'm giving you a full detailed 10 minute thing of what happens on the episode so it brings in audience for those who don't want to buy honor club yeah he's like oh that's smart. I was like, yeah, like there's a million AEW podcasts. There's a million WWE podcasts. How many just centric Ring of Honor podcasts are there? And then it's like all maybe five of us all have the same like thoughts. So even the problem with um, Death Before Dishonor was there was no card for the longest time. It was the week of the show and we had zero matches on the card. And I remember sitting on this media call and I was like, are we all going to ask where the rest of the card is? <laughs> Who's asking that question? Because I'm not. But I, I, you know, Ring of Honor is small enough and I feel like I've worked with enough talent there that I could like give my expertise. Ring of Honor is as old as I am, I think, actually. No, not there you maybe go. A year. Yeah, no, it's, wow, that's incredible to think about. But, it's uh, I don't. Did you did you follow Ring of Honor, the original Ring of Honor product, like before, before they went out with COVID and then Tony Khan bought them, and so it's been it's been a part of your wrestling life anyway. I've been, yeah, I've been to Hammerstein Ballroom for like final battles and stuff, so I've I've seen it live. So yeah, I've followed it. Obviously, my favorite wrestler was champion there. Tyler Black, well, come yep. on, <laughs> my guy. And that's where I was like, I could relate a little more because he's from Iowa, and I'm I 
was born and raised in the neighboring state there, so that's something. <laughs> I wore my hoodie. Got my Rollins hoodie. That's true. That's true. There it is. But, oh no, it, it, it's just interesting because I, it, AEW is such a, a large roster and, uh, and you know, they, they're kind of, kind of morphing the split between, you know, uh, Dynamite and Collision. And then you have Ring of Honor where you still have a lot of the, the names that were in Ring of Honor at the very end of the original Ring of Honor are showing up in those tapings a lot more. And then you still have a lot of the AEW talent too. So like, it's interesting because, I mean, the, the roster seems to be so fluctuating there. But um, I don't know. Who who do you think is, like, from Ring of Honor itself, Who who is the next, like, breakout high-shining star in your opinion there? Um, probably, like, I like what they're doing with Action Jardy because they put him with Darius Martin, obviously, because Dante's out. Yeah. So I like that they put that dynamic together because they've been hinting for the last couple weeks, like, oh, what's going to happen when Dante comes back? Are they going to try to go for the six-man titles? Are they going to try to challenge the embassy? Or are they going to kick Action out? Like, what are they going to do with that? And that's a good question, because they could go either way. They could try to challenge the embassy. I don't know how well it's going to go, because the embassy has been, like, on such a war path lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so is, like, Brian Cage, actually, I believe, is, like, 20-something and oh in Ring of Honor competition since the new Ring of Honor has started. So I'd probably say him. I think the problem right now with Ring of Honor is they don't have storylines. So I can't even answer that question because, like, there's no one consistently on Ring of Honor TV every single week besides Athena. Right. No, that, that's fair. That's fair. And I, I, mean, I felt like that was kind of a, a bold question, too. My whole thing, like, when I thought of Ring of Honor at first, it was... You know, like Eddie Kingston made this emphatic "I quit AEW," and then you know he's in the Ring of Honor main event the next day or whatever else. And so, like that was where the so I was I think of names like Eddie Kingston when I think of Ring of Honor. But then he's been back to AEW since then as well, and like you know has this like blood feud with Claudio and. Well, it's because Claudio's the champion, so I think like that was like kind of hinting at like because Tony Khan said this on media call like that was supposed to be the original main event. For that sports honor. That's true. And then Eddie went to Japan. <laughs> so then we couldn't have that. And then Tony was like, yeah, I was going to like fly him back and then fly him back to Japan on the same day. And I was like, what? <laughs> Do you know how long the flight from Japan is? Yeah, no kidding. Have Are you... you out of your mind? <laughs> now, have what... I been to Japan? No, no. I, I wasn't going to ask you if you've been, been to Japan. But similarly, have you been outside the country for anything wrestling related yet? No. Okay. I mean, you could say wish. you could say in a few months you've been to Mexico, but that's you know for an excursion, but that's a wrestling based event anyway. But as far as I wouldn't working, count that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, wouldn't count that. You're a fan there, but like the events you're working, not not yet. I'm sure. I'm sure it's in your future. Your future's still very bright. There's one big convention in London. It's at like the end of April that me and this one promoter have been eyeing. For months but it's so hard because it's like right after mania it's like do, do we want to spend all the money to fly to london then of course like it's a currency difference between here oh, and europe too, yep. so like how does that work in terms of like making money at a convention so there's a lot of like more cons than pros looking into that but then i'm like i want to go to london i w i really do 
want to go to All In. Like, when yeah. they announced it, I was at that Dynamite, because uh, they announced it at UBS. I was there, and I remember texting my dad. I'm like, we're going to go to London. And he's like, no, we're not. <laughs> I was like, but what if we get comped? And he was like, no. Do you know how much the plane ticket is? And I said, no, because I've never looked into a flight from here to Europe before. And then we looked it up, and I was like, yeah, never mind. I'll watch it from my house. I'm good. <laughs> No, there's a, you know, the radio station I work for, KLIN, there, we had a member of our news team who, who, like, he was living in, in South Korea. He's been all over the place, but he was living in South Korea and then somehow heard of this news positioning open up in KLIN and his parents live here in Nebraska. So he, uh, he gets the job and, you know, he has to have his interviews over Zoom since he's not exactly accessible in person. At that moment, and so he he moves to the United States, and then from there, his wife and his son moved to England, and then eventually, it just got to be too much for them, like being so far apart and not being able to see each other too often. So he had to leave KLIN, and he's out in England now. And and then so you know we still thank goodness for Facebook and other social media. So him and I still keep in touch from time to time. But then I didn't even think about it, and he messages me like right after. All in goes on sale. He goes, well, I'm going to all in, and it's my wife's first ever wrestling event, so it'll be a hell of a first wrestling event for her. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like it was something I didn't even think about, but then so happy for him, and just that circumstances work out that way. But that is such a show I would want to go to, just to be like I was a part of the largest wrestling crowd in history because they passed it, I think, yesterday or today. Yeah, I like, just say you were one of the ones like one of the 80 plus thousand people that's insane well and it's like to me it, it hits home a little bit too because i was at wrestlemania 32 the first uh the first wrestlemania at that stadium in dallas and they they were saying oh we broke the attendance record for like wrestling events here with 101,000. but then you know it's no secret that wwe like spikes up their numbers for everything so then they're like, okay, we passed WrestleMania three. Well, what was WrestleMania three's actual attendance? So I was kind Not of ninety three thousand one hundred seventy three. Like <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of in limbo, and then they went back to Dallas last year for WrestleMania, and they combined the two nights for the attendance record. I'm like, that doesn't count. I need to know like how many actual people because there's most of those people bought two two day passes. So I'm like, don't. See, there you go. You're one of them. And, uh, but I'm like, don't tell me that you've had 160,000 unique fans. No, it was nowhere near that. And then I have a friend who was at that WrestleMania besides you. I have my friend this evening. He's like, yeah, we broke your record. I said, you were there for both shows. You and your two sons were there for both shows. You were three people. You weren't six people. <laughs> It doesn't count. And so it's nice for, for this all-in event coming up because, I mean, it sounds like, I don't know, I, I, I hope that everything's legit and there's there's not spiked numbers there, and it sounds like it's not, um, so that the record can be set straight at that point. Like, all in London, here's a new attendance record for, like, any other wrestling event to try to compete with fairly. <laughs> Yes, and I think, like, for the people that were on the first All-In to even compete at this one, like, Britt, 
like the box like kenny like that show in chicago in 2018 sold 11,000 tickets they're now going to compete in front of 80,000 people can you imagine telling them in 2018 like in 2023 they were going to sell out wembley yeah that's that's incredible absolutely incredible all right so you have your uh your media experiences and you've worked all these conventions and you've done all these big things but you you still are involved in the wrestling scene on a more active basis like uh, where you're at there in New York as well aren't you Yeah so I commentate I don't even know what to call my role at Warriors of Wrestling I do a lot there I commentate I work at the door I interview people I get called a Muppet. I write the press releases. So I don't know what to call that. I'm just there doing that. Oh, okay. Also, and you, you, uh, let's see. So by the time this airs, you have a big event that between us talking about right now and by the time this comes out for the listeners, you have a big event coming up, don't you? Yes, tomorrow is Hit the Lights in Brooklyn. We have Zaya Brookside coming all the way to New York. Very excited. I'm actually working with her. We at the that's another thing I do. I work in intermission meeting greet, so I do it all. <laughs> so she is wrestling our champion, Zeta Steele. We have our newly crowned champion, TJ Marconi, defending against Darius Carter. We have my lovely best friend, Max Bain, who invited me to a really scary, scary location to interview him the other day in a five-way match to try to claim the No Limits Championship, who is currently held by Tommy Dreamer. That's right. Army Dreamer and a bunch of other matches, and I'm going to be there commentating. Nice. What a life I get to live. Uh, Lisa Marie Varens there as well, formerly Victoria. Yes, yes, she will be there. She was do. She is doing the intermission meet and greet as well. All right. So yeah, definitely a star-studded lineup for sure. I, I mean, I I've, I've been seeing. I even saw Zaya Brookside. I think today, the day we're recording this, I saw her promoting about it too. And so, and she just recently moved to the U.S. from England and. So she's getting her feet wet very fast here in the U.S., and she seems to be excited for her, her debut out there this weekend. So, Yes, going to try to take the champ from the, for, from the real deal herself, Zeta Steel. This is the Summer of Steel, is what I've named it. That's what we promoted it as. Uh, Zeta has had an amazing run. She won the title earlier this year, and she has defeated Diamante. She has stepped in there with some really great opponents, and let's see if she could even defeat former NXT UK superstar Zaya Brookside. There you go. It should be a great match for sure. How long have you been involved with Warriors of, Wrestl- Warriors of Wrestling now? So I started... Notice how all this starts with me as a fan. <laughs> of course. That's how this all starts. Me as a fan. It actually goes to Richie, because the person that owns Warriors is Richie's partner. Oh, Full circle moment for Mr. Bellini himself. So when I was younger, I used to go all the time to Warriors. And I had stopped going for a period of time because I was an athlete. So my weekends were always booked. And then when I started working with Richie, Joe got to know me. And Joe reached out to me during the pandemic to do some stuff for him, just like writing stuff. And over the past year is like where he really started to use me. And he was like, let's get you commentating. Let's get you doing interviews. Let's get you like doing all this stuff. And I was like, okay. 
and now I just do it all. So thank you. Actually, so I don't like Mr. Bellini because I tried to interview him in the ring a month ago, and he called me a Muppet. He thinks I look like a Muppet. Oh. I, I, I don't, and I'm really offended by that. Sure. So I don't really like Mr. Bellini a lot. He's kind of mean, and his little group, the Hostile Collective and the Bellini Club, they need to leave. Like, Warriors would be a much better place without Mr. Bellini. That's fair. I think that's completely fair. Exactly. He thinks I look like a Muppet. Are we kidding? <laughs> Rude. Oh, man. Yeah. So, so, to, so you went to a haunted location. I, I saw that video. Uh, you posted it just the other day, and I'm glad to see you made it out alive, at least. It, yeah, Max Bain, he DM'd me, and he goes, let's do this interview at this really spooky, scary location. And I was like, okay, that, that's kind of weird. And so I met him at the spooky, scary location, and then we did the interview. I met his scary friend, who is like this green-headed person. And we, we, ju- we just did the interview. He threw a game card at me, which is very rude of Mr. Bane himself. No, like Max Bane and Mr. Bellini are very close friends. So I don't know what I did to them to deserve this treatment from Mr. Bellini and Max Bane, but I, I, I really don't want Max Bane to win the fatal five way tomorrow. I think, I think he should lose. That's fair. For laughing in my face. Yeah. No, I mean, Give respect where respect's needed, and it sounds like you have no reason to be in his corner, be on his side there. No. Tommy Dreamer, retain. Retain the title, buddy. You've you've had a list of amazing, historic accolades. I think that was the coolest thing, too. Like, I got to call the match when he won the title. Like, I've gotten to call a Tommy Dreamer match. That's that, insane. Yeah, that is that is great. And it was like the, the promotion I work for, MWA... We, we've had Tommy Dreamer at one show, and it was in the Chicago area, and we, we did three shows out there that summer. And the first show we had, Lance Archer was out there and uh, Christopher Daniels, and then the second show, we had Christopher Daniels came back for it, and we had James Storm, and we had Eric Bischoff, and that was incredible. And then to uh, to complete the, the three shows... Um, the trilogy of shows we we had one more and I could not make it out for that and I, I think I can't remember I want to say James Storm might have been back for that but then it was it was Tommy Dreamer and he took on Rhino that night and it would have been so great to be a part of and it just didn't work out in my schedule. Um, so the, I I've met him once before then and I was trying to get him like to do work with MWA and then it finally worked out that just didn't work out for my schedule so. It, it was a little bit of a bummer, but how long has uh, Tommy Dreamer been the champion out there then? He just won it at our last event, Ultimate Survivor, in July. So he was actually supposed to be on another independent show, and it got canceled due to weather. And he reached out to Joe, and he was like, hey, like, can I, can I show up? And they were like, sure. <laughs> and Joe booked the match, and Tommy Dreamer won. And Tommy Dreamer leaves with championship gold. Yes, and now he's coming to Brooklyn tomorrow. He's in a five-way match, so his odds are not the greatest. But, you know, we've seen Tommy Dreamer do some incredible things in a lot of different companies over the last couple of years. Oh, so yeah. You never know. You now, never know. Is this is this a one fall to the finish, or is it like an elimination match? No, it is one fall to the 
finish, so you have a twenty percent chance of walking out oh, with man. championship. So gold. there is there is not a championship advantage at all in this then. No, Tommy from, doesn't even have to be involved. Yeah. Oh well, Tommy Dreamer, if you're listening to this, well, I guess it'd be too late. But best of luck to you, nevertheless. That's why I'm scared. Like, what if Mr. Bellini is going to go help Max Bane? That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, best of luck to you as well, Kimmy. Sounds like, sounds like you, uh, you're in for something else. So, like, let's, uh, hope everything goes well for you. I'm going to stay far away from the ring. Yeah, I don't blame you. Very far away from the ring. (laughs) So, okay, so where, where's your, uh, are are you doing commentary for this event then? Yes. Okay. I found out today. All right. Where where is your commentary table then? Like, where do you actually sit during these shows? So I haven't commentated live at Brooklyn yet. I've okay. done it in Staten Island, so it was far enough to where talent couldn't reach me. Okay. Don't know where it's gonna be tomorrow. Hope it's still far enough where talent can't right. do anything to me. I mean. The Warriors Town have known me for so many years, so it's cool for them to like even pitch things to me, like, "Hey, let's do this," or "Hey, let's do that," and I'm like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Kimmy. Making it further is Kimmy. Well, let's hope you stay stay safe, though. Like, I mean, oh, I hope so. We got to bring you on for a third episode, a uh, third experience on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk, and uh, and uh, so I kind of need you alive to do that. <laughs> And my birthday's on Tuesday. Oh, I'd like to live past... Like, I want to live to see 22. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, gosh, I, I had a 22nd birthday. It was my golden birthday on the 22nd of July. So I'm I'm a little more biased, a little more impartial to number 22 anyway. So now you just got to get there. Yeah, see, my birthday party's on Sunday. So I have a day to recover if anyone does anything to me. I have a day. There you go. Well, best Locked of luck. Locked it out of my schedule. So, and I, I think I've kind of alluded to this last time you were on here, and you, you did mention your your childhood dream of, of growing up to be being Kimmy, but you, you have a lot of wrestling experience uh, through conventions, through commentary, through promos, through so much. Um, I guess, obviously, I think you'd want to make it to one of those big-time companies you know, a little more prominent in AEW or WWE, whatever. What do you have like an actual like dream job, dream position you would want to do in one of those companies? I think the main goal, just because like that's what I've always wanted from day one, would be commentary. Okay. But I think if my major has taught me anything, is that I'm good in a lot of things. So I like me and Maria were talking about this, like. It, it's not a matter of like what I want. It's like, where do you need me? Cause I fluctuate in a lot of things. Like even the list of things I do for warriors, like I'm doing five different roles there. Right. Yeah. So that's what like my resume speaks for itself. So to me, obviously the main thing would be commentary, but whatever anyone wants to hire me for, I'm available. Please. <laughs> there you go. You know, give your plugs wherever you can here. I'll, I'll be happy to, to share it. So. Um, yes. So anyway, let, let's, let's talk more wrestling. Let's, let's talk, you know, is there, is there one company that you tend to follow or support more than any others? Like you more of like a WWE person or like one of the other ones, like where, where's, where's your kind of priority fandom? A WWE. Cause I feel like I work 
with more people in those companies. And a lot of times, too, like we haven't had it in a while, thankfully. But usually when there's a lot of releases in WWE, I get texts from promoter like release day is the worst day to be Kimmy Sobel. Okay. Because I get a lot of texts from a lot of promoters because once those 90 days are up, you know, you're going to see them at a convention. So it's who's going to be, who's going to make money here? Who's going to make money there? What do you think this talent's going to do? Like the last time they did it, my phone legitimately crashed. Oh man. For like an hour. Wow. Because of how many people were texting me. And I was like, I just want to see who's released and I can't because you broke my phone. It was so bad. So release day is the worst day to be me. So thankfully we haven't had it in a while. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, I don't know, like Richie, I don't know him personally. You know, I, I've, I've supported him in East Coast for, for quite a while and I've bought way too many things from him. And I think the number of things I bought, like pales in comparison to most of his following. But I, I know I've reached out to him on release day. I was like, hey, uh, uh, Chelsea Green just got a, a release from WWE, so you should have her for future signings and you'll get money from me. Or, hey, Ruby Riot just got released. You should have her for future signings and you'll get some money from me. And he usually just laughs it off. But <laughs> And then I've, of course, seen Chelsea Green a number of times with his his signings where I like was introduced to Kimmy Sokol as well. And, um, so yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can only imagine, uh, to me, like, I'm not somebody like he would have known other than he's seen my names just buying stuff from him. I can only imagine that he's gotten way too many more of those kinds of same messages, but. <laughs> yeah, he gets it a lot. And especially like, cause you know, it's, there's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of wrestlers out there. So even like, if someone suggests a name, who's this? Where do I see this person? Do you think this person will make money? So like right. Ricky Starks actually coming on the East Coast was my suggestion to two promoters because in Nashville at StarCast, Ricky Starks had this huge line for him. And I was like, why has he never been out to the East Coast? Like Ricky Starks could do a lot of good like business for somebody. So I suggested it to two promoters. I was like, listen, like I think Ricky Starks would do great out here. Like maybe you should try to bring him to a convention. And they made money with him. And I was like, whoa. That's a problem that you're listening to a 21 year old <laughs> and that I was right. Whoa. I mean, kudos to you, but it's like crazy because there's sometimes where I'm right. There's sometimes when I'm wrong. There's sometimes where, you know, you break even. So it's like, okay, it worked out, but I would, I wish I would have done better. But I think because I've been in it for so long, you kind of know like who's going to do good, who's going to do bad. And who's going to just do okay. So to be in that position, to even suggest to promoters, like, hey, like, I think this would do good. It means that I'm kind of good at what I do. Right. I well, guess. And I, I just, you know, I don't necessarily work as much, if at all, on the flip side thing, things. But, you know, I, I think about even like the Jericho Cruises, for example. And every Jericho Cruise there is, the Ragers afterwards gets a survey to fill out. And one of the questions is, is like, what kind of talent do you want to see? Like, what kind of music lineup? And they list, like, so many fans just list, like, the biggest names ever. Like, we want Hulk Hogan. We want, like, all these, like, mainstream bands and everything else. And it's like, okay, now let's talk realistically because these 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 acts are expensive. And if you want them on, you won't get any other talent. Like, there's so many metrics that you just have to factor in. And budget's a huge thing too. So I mean, it sounds like you guys you have a little more leeway, and uh, and you know have a 
little easier time managing things, but I'm sure that's still a thing out there, too. It is hard, because obviously, like, you want to bring in those big names. Those big names are a lot of money. And then you really have to think, like, is it worth it to bring in this big name for this amount of money? Like, are you going to break even? Yeah. Are you going to make money? It's a lot. And unfortunately, there are some people that can't afford those big names. And there are some people that can. And it's, it's, I compare the vendor business to basically a gamble. That's what it is. Yeah. Cause once you get in it, you can't stop. And it's like, you win, you make money, and you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, and then you lose, and then you're upset. But it's like, oh, we gotta keep on going, we gotta keep on going. <laughs> and it's hard. And luckily for me, I'm not on that side where I'm giving anybody money for a talent. Haven't done that. Don't plan on doing that. Even though right. they have, there are people that are like, you should become a vendor because you'd be really good at it. And I'm like, no, because I'm going to get in it. <laughs> and then I'm going to go bankrupt. Right. Because <laughs> trust me, I know how this works. But I just think you just have to be very careful. You do. Because I've seen vendors go out there too quick, book a big name, and they haven't made money. And I've seen right. vendors start out small and have become really successful vendors. So you have to be strategic. You have to be smart. But you also have to keep up with the product. And that's something, unfortunately, that a lot of the vendors don't do. No, exactly. So, And they turn to one person for all that information. You're talking to that one person. <laughs> oh, man. Day in the life of Kimmy Sokol must be... Uh... Must be, you're having a lot of fun, you're living so many dreams, but there's got to be way too much stress involved as well. <laughs> it's not even stress. I just think it's like you're putting too much, like, power into, <laughs> like, my dad comes with me to the conventions, right? Okay. And he's just known, like, he's not known as Seth. He's known as Kimmy's dad. And that's, sure. like, so weird for him. He's like, I'm my own individual person. I said, no, like. I'm a, like, I'm somebody now. When I was at Collision in Newark, there, I was just walking through the comm course and so many people knew who I was. They're like, hi, Kimmy. Hi, Kimmy. And I was like, whoa. But you why were, do you, why do you all know me? <laughs> you were wearing your backwards hat though, right? I wasn't cause I was media. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, cause I mean, last time you were here, you were saying how like that's kind of your identity in a lot of ways too, where if somebody sees you without your hat, they wouldn't necessarily recognize you as much. This is why I have to pick even like, we'll go back to Mr. Bellini because Mr. Bellini hates the backwards hat. Absolutely hates it. And he said to me, he's like, if you're going to start working where you can't wear that hat. I said, why? That's how people know me. He's like, but when you watch WWE, do you see people wearing backwards hats? I said, well, what if I'm the first? What if that makes me different? Did you ever think of that? He's like, you're still not wearing the backwards hat. Like, no, uh, I'm not doing it. And I was like, oh. So, like, even, like, for media, when they give you the email and they tell you, like, you have to dress professional, I was like, right. I can't wear my hat. <laughs> well, the first day, so Ring of Honor, I wore my hair down. But the second day I wore my hair up, I was like, yeah, this is what you're getting from me today, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was saying, I'm assuming you can't wear your sneakers then either, could you? Oh, no, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I know that. I have. I wore my Jordans I wore to my graduation, but I also have, like, sparkly vans that I usually wear for wrestling events. So, like, I'll wear them tomorrow for commentary because, like, they're nicer. Sure. So, like, I have special sneakers put aside for that stuff. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. I am prepared. I was say, I think that's the two things that identify Kimmy the most of, like, who you are and what you represent is the backwards hat and sneakers. Those are the two things you have to have. <laughs> 
I remember when I was in track, so we always used to have like this really big fancy cross country dinner with everyone on Staten Island. And my coach would always say, he's like, you can't wear sneakers. And he would always look at me and I was like, is it affecting you? Is it doing anything to you if I wear sneakers? And I'd walk in every year and he'd be like, seriously? And I was like, it's not affecting you. It doesn't affect your life. I can do what I want. Okay, I'm going to wear my Converse, and I'm going to be fine. And sure enough, everything worked out. So it's not the end of the world. Relax. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no arguments for me, by the way. So, um, All right, let's, uh, let's talk more wrestling. Um, uh, uh, for example, last time you were on, we, we, of course, and you've alluded to it already, you have a, a love for one Seth Rollins. Now he has some championship gold around his waist, which you were very adamant about calling from the get-go. I did the same as well, just because, to me, it didn't make any sense for anyone else to hold that title other than Rollins. I said, okay, you have Roman Reigns, who's been dominant for three years. Who is the one person who he has faced who he had not beaten? Seth Rollins. Royal Rumble, Rollins wins by disqualification. That's the only title shot he got in that three years. So I'm like... And and anybody else that Roman Reigns like didn't beat is because he didn't face them. So it's like you have no other person that you could put that title on other than Seth Rollins. And then you are a far bigger bigger Seth Rollins fan than I am. So like I saw you kind of calling the same thing, but you you had the fan side of you too. Like like how was that all for you at that at that time as a fan? So unfortunately, well, okay, so this kind of worked out in my favor. It okay. didn't, didn't. So that's, so when he won the title, I was in Vegas for Double or Not Though. Oh, that's and right. I remember I was like, please let this, because I knew we were going to FanFest. And I was like, I don't want to be watching this pay-per-view at FanFest. Because that was only the one match I really needed to see. Like everything else, I could have waited till I got home from Vegas. Yeah. But I wanted to see him win the title, like, live. Yeah. Kind of. So I was like, please let this match start the show because I know it'll be eight o'clock Vegas time. Everyone will be just waking up. We'll be getting breakfast. Like, because there was a dunk in the hotel. So I'm like, okay, we get dunk and we could just watch his match and then we can go to FanFest. Like I had this all mapped out and luckily WWE was on my side and they had this match start the show. And I was like, God bless. <laughs> so I was sitting in our hotel room. There were four of us that went, so me and two other people were up. The other girl was sleeping. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to scream when he wins. I'm going to wake this girl up. I feel so bad right now. So we're watching it. So I was watching it on my phone with my friend, and then my other friend was watching it on his phone. And I had, like, my AirPod in. I was, like, walking around getting ready, and I was like, Rollins, I I need to leave for FanFest. Just win the match already. (laughs) And he won. I screamed. Luckily, the girl didn't wake up. I was so happy. I mean, we had waited four years. He has not held, he did not hold world heavyweight championship gold since my senior year of high school. Oh man. In 2019, I have waited four (laughs) years for this moment. And luckily, I mean, I was in Nevada for when it happened, but like, I got to see it. And just to see like what he's done with the title, like his feud with Judgment Day, how there's actually a World Heavyweight Championship to fight for on Monday Night Raw. We haven't seen that in God knows how many years. So I couldn't think of anyone more deserving. And I'm just happy he didn't lose it this past weekend. I was very scared. Okay, fair enough. I mean, because, yeah, you had Finn Balor, who, like, has that seven years of vendetta, and on top of which you had Damian Priest breathing down everyone with his briefcase. So, yeah, I, I don't blame you. 
especially with how big of a Rollins fan you are. I don't blame you for being scared. It's great, too, because I I remembered that he held the title, but I wasn't thinking... And he won it from AJ Styles, so where, where, you know, you got to see Seth Rollins win the championship at WrestleMania in the first match then, too. But that was against Brock Lesnar, so it was... how You remember the exact timestamp. It was two minutes and what? It was like two minutes and 36 seconds. <laughs> That's still incredible to me that you're like, I, I, the last time you were on here, I was just like, it was a short match if I remember right. And you gave me the exact timestamp. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and, uh, I, I've studied this business more than I've studied school. Let's be real people. <laughs> and you still succeed in school too. So like, <laughs> uh, but no, and, but you have AJ Styles who AJ is going to go out there and he's going to put on a, on a, incredible match too so you're not getting a short match and great way to open up the pay-per-view for sure but that's when we were talking about that that's where it was all coming back to me that was in saudi arabia for night of champions and i was i was at work here at the radio station so i wasn't able to watch it yet and then i just go on social media because i do it out of habit and at the very top of my news feed was you posting a picture of Seth Rollins and Triple H with the title in the air. And I was like, I mean, it was a result I was expecting. Rollins was the Raw superstar where AJ was on SmackDown. So I was like, I really don't see AJ winning this. And uh, But I didn't know it started the show. And then I had forgotten that the show had even started at that point. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I'm not mad. And I, I can only blame myself for getting on social media. And I knew you were in Vegas, too. But I was like, all right, well, Kimmy still got to see it at least. <laughs> I said, we're not leaving until this match ends. Like, we could be late to FanFest. FanFest could wait for us. <laughs> Seth Rollins go. cannot wait for us. And we got there in plenty of time. We were there all day. We got to see a lot of our friends. I, I give credit to FanFest, actually, because this is my first time going to a FanFest. And I've heard great things about it, and I, I've obviously seen a convention or two in my time. Sure. So I was like, Let, let's see what all the hype's about. I've seen good conventions. I've seen bad conventions. But it was so organized. There was so much to do. I feel like I got my money's worth. Like, it was really fun. I was like, wow, I wish they really had this in New Jersey when Full Gear was here. Like, come on, AEW. <laughs> oh, man. I just... I don't know, because like the one AEW pay-per-view I've been to was during the pandemic, so they, they had the pay-per-view, and that was just about it. So I want to get back to any AEW pay-per-view at all. I, You know, I'm closer to Chicago, but ultimately I think the one venue, like the one city I want to go for an AEW pay-per-view is Vegas more than anything else. I, I was planning on going to Double or Nothing this year, and then it just, when the time got closer, completely uh space my mind until like the week of i'm like well i can't afford that right now anyway (laughs) and uh but yeah no i want to because it's just they put on such an event it's not just a pay-per-view with them there's so much more going on and you know and that's the advantage of you know number one that they don't have a lot of pay-per-views to begin with is that they they can do things like that all the more often and i don't know so I'm happy for you that you got to experience it, but you know I got my jealous side too over here. <laughs> no, come out to Chicago. Well, I'm not officially going to All Out yet. Oh. Like I'm going to Chicago because I'm working Starcast. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. I'm gonna say Starcast. That's another thing I've never done. Like I I've been to WrestleMania Fan Access a couple times, but even then it's been a long time since I've done that. So like, so I did Starcast last year in Nashville. 
And that was something like, I was going, I wasn't going, I was going, oh. I wasn't going. I ended up there. And uh, so obviously the big thing, like the big marquee was it's Ric Flair's last match. Like that's what this whole thing oh, is about. Yep, Rose, yep. The match, like everything. And I was like, oh, I'm going here for work. Do I really want to see Ric Flair's last match? I got comped to the show and I'm like, oh, I guess I got to go now. <laughs> but I enjoyed Sarkaz. Like I think Conrad did a really good job putting on the event. I think he had like a lot of like top stars. And even for Starcast this year, like they, that's the AW Fan Fest. It's Starcast. 95% of the roster is definitely going to be there. So if you right. want to meet anyone on the AEW roster, I suggest you get your ticket to StarCast. Not just because <laughs> I'm working it, but like, there's a lot of people going to be there. Right. So, okay. There there was a couple names that we talked about last time you were on here. I wanted to talk about Seth Rollins for your sake, but then we had to go for my sake too, and the one name that I had, I was like, if I'm going to talk to Kimmy Sokol, we have to talk about Chelsea Green and at that point, again, between the time we recorded and the time it aired, her and Sonya Deville were getting a women's tag team title match. They came short in that in, in that match, but now look at them now. I mean, Sonya's out, so Chelsea Green's walking around with two titles, but she is the women's tag team champions right now. And so I'm like, all right. Well, for the Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk, Kimmy Sokol experience, we've come full circle in that regard, too. I was so excited. Like, I remember my, it was like that raw and it was right before the match. And my dad came downstairs like, I think she's going to do it. And I was like, are you sure though? Like me and you have both said this multiple times and she hasn't done it. And she, he was like, no, 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 no. Like, I really think she's going to do it. And I was like, okay. So we were watching it together. And I remember like, there were so many close pinfalls. I was like, oh my God, I need <laughs> her to win. And thankfully she did. I was just so happy. And I mean, like I was with her right before she began her loop on the Indies. I worked with her a couple days after she appeared in Ring of Honor, right before she returned to Slammiversary for Impact. And to just see like her get that moment to get her WWE championship. I mean, right now, hashtag um, Chelsea Talent, I think it is, or something like that. Chelsea's, Chelsea's got talent. Her- <laughs> yeah, Chelsea's got talent. She's looking for her tag team partner, and I low-key want to be like... Dude, what about me? Do I do I qualify? I've worked with you a couple of times. Like, come on, Chelsea. But I'm so happy for her. I mean, it sucks that Sonya's out. I don't know if there's like a temporary tag team partner that they're looking to do. Right. Obviously, I do believe that they are probably going to get stripped. I really, I actually, I feel like since they have this hashtag going, I feel like they're going to do something with it right. for Chelsea to have both because I feel like, you know, she could, it could fit into the Karen gimmick. Like, oh, now I have to defend both of these titles. That's not fair. Come on, Adam P. Right. So I feel like you could play into that. So maybe they'll let her hold on to it for a little bit longer. But it does suck. Best wishes to Sonya. And I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, as of as of this recording, the only person I've officially seen audition is R Truth. So I think you might have for the fact that you're a woman, I think you might have a better shot than him of making it in. And you know, and Chelsea knows who you are, so you have that going for you too. Winners. We're winners <laughs> over here. I don't know what our tag team name would be, but we're winners. Well, and there's 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 a couple different things when it comes to Chelsea Green and WWE that really stick out. Number one, with that title match, you know, Rhea Ripley attacked Raquel and Liv backstage and, and was really looking like Raquel was hurt and I said, Oh they're gonna put the titles on Chelsea and Sonya, like this is this is that green light right there, and then of course I'm on the edge of my seat wondering if it's if it's going to become reality or not. And, you know, they, they got the win. And 
I'm a Chelsea Green fan myself, so I was ecstatic. And uh, but it's also it seems like Triple H is anymore kind of getting some criticism because you know when when he was taken over when Vince McMahon retired, he he was known for rehiring an insane amount of talent and bringing back so many names that were cut due to budget cuts or whatever else. And then they're like, well, so yeah, Triple H being in charge is cool and all, but how many of these talent are we really seeing being used like since they've been back? And like when I see those reports on the internet, I'm like, well, they're not wrong. And then there's other names that, you know, have who have been there, like Lacey Evans, who we just don't see as much. And so I, I, I get that. And it's, I don't know, as a fan, it gets a little frustrating and I get a little sad. But at the same time, and then you have Chelsea Green, who her initial WWE start this time around was getting eliminated right away in the Royal Rumble, where I'm ecstatic that Chelsea's coming out. And I like Rhea Ripley, too. I'm a huge Rhea Ripley fan. But I was a little... I was a little disappointed, even though my money was on Rhea Ripley to win the Rumble anyway, but that she has to eliminate Chelsea right away. I was like, come on. And then, so then I, I got a little worried. I'm like, please don't, don't short Chelsea and all this. Like, she's come so far. She's gone a long ways. Like, and really, it's nice because where they've had some of those issues with some of those rehired talents, I mean, Chelsea Green is on TV every week. She may not be on every pay-per-view. She is a champion for the time being. So it's great to see, at least for the time being, that she's not one of those names that kind of falls at the wayside like so many others have. I think the two I feel the worst for is Candice and Johnny. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, definitely. I mean, I remember I worked with Candice, like, maybe a month before she came back, like, like early August and, and a lot of people were telling her to go back to WWE and she said to me she goes hmm it looks like a lot of people have like their opinion and I looked at her and I said well is that what you want do you want to go back and she's like I don't know she's like what do you think and I'm like well I mean it would be cool but there might be other opportunities elsewhere where you could shine a little bit brighter and then she came back and I was like well <laughs> There goes that. But I mean, where's Johnny? Johnny's been clear for like how many weeks? I know, and it's like because there was a rumor that it was like that was going around of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against DIY at SummerSlam, and I was hoping that I didn't know how that would come to fruition. When ideally they're both face tag teams. And then, you know, Kevin Owens actually gets hurt before SummerSlam anyway. And that's been frustrating, too, because, like, you know, they're the tag team champions. They won them in the main event of night one of WrestleMania. And then here's SummerSlam, and they're not on the card. They weren't on the Money in the Bank card. It's, so it, it's a little frustrating, but, you know, I, I still I think their stock's still good. I think both of them are actually hurt right now. Um, I know Kevin is. I saw Sammy's elbow. Right. I don't know if it is the if it's the exact scene injury. That's like a very long time period. Yeah, and I got concerned on Monday when you know he was attacked by JD McDonough, and and I I, I didn't even care about the attack. I just they zoomed in. And I'm like, oh, his elbow looks like John Cena's from years ago. Oh no. <laughs> And then in the main event, he gets involved. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's okay, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if maybe they did something to make it. I don't I don't want to say, like, oh, they did something to make it look like that. Right. Obviously. But it didn't look good. 
But it, there hasn't been a report or anything. Right. So I'm like, oh, maybe. I mean, we don't know how long Owens is supposed to be out for. Yeah, exactly. But, no, and I, I just hope, you know, I thought with SummerSlam just getting done, the second biggest WWE pay-per-view of the year, that this would be the opportunity for Johnny Gargano to come back. And, you know, now Tommaso Ciampa's back, that, you know, there's an opportunity to you know, possibly bring back DIY. I think that could be some fun on the main roster. They're incredible tag team together. And, I, I mean, I really like the both of them anyway. Um, but I don't know. I, right now I can just sit back and keep my fingers crossed and hope. But... Uh, Anyway, the one nice thing, though, and this, again, goes back to affecting your boy Seth Rollins, is I was getting frustrated, you know, about this time a year ago, and they're making a huge deal that Shinsuke Nakamura was going to wrestle one of uh, the Great Muda's last matches, and that, you know, WWE actually gave him the green light, and I'm like... Why wouldn't they? We don't see Shinsuke anymore. We haven't seen him in a long time. And then even after they did that match, it was a long time before we saw him back. And that was frustrating me because Shinsuke is really good himself. And I'm like, why? Why Why are we not ever seeing him? And then, you know, they kind of repackage him and he comes back to SmackDown for a, a brief time uh, around the time of WrestleMania. And then he gets drafted to Raw. And now he's he's in the world title picture. So I'm like, all right, good. They're doing something with him again. I don't even care if he's turning heel. At least, at least he's showing up. At least he's used in the programming because he's he's a good star in himself. I mean, they did have those epic matches for the IC title years ago. Yeah, Nakamura and Rollins. So there is history there, but I don't I don't see them putting that on Nakamura. Nothing like he I he's good. I like Nakamura, but I feel like he doesn't have that momentum. Yeah, yet. and I don't I don't think that they're going to put the title on him either, but at least he's he's in more of a prominent picture, and that's what matters to me. I mean, I also I I don't even want to say this. I don't want to jinx you cuz I know you're a Rollins fan, but I didn't think they were, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns were recently at an Impact pay-per-view and they were both getting single style shots. I'm like, well, neither one of them are going to maybe Chris Sabin, but there's no way Alex Shelley is winning the world title and I mean, they proved me wrong there, and I was happy for it, but I just really yeah. didn't think they were taking the title off Macklin before Slammiversary. That's why I was very confused, but he's hurt, so I understand why. they like right. He's injured, so I get it. But I was really shocked by that, too, because they built Macklin up so much, and then he lost so suddenly, and I was like, you've built Macklin up since he's debuted in Impact like two years ago. That's his big title run? <laughs> you kidding me, Impact? So, yeah. Okay, so this is one question, you know, prior to you coming on to the last time you were on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast, um, I I knew you from what I followed on social media, but I never really talked to you. That was our first real conversation was on the podcast. But when we were setting that interview up, I remember you specifically asking me, um, so what are we going to talk about? And I was like, we're going to talk about wrestling. And, and then ultimately we had a, a great interview from it. I really felt it was one of my, one of my favorite episodes I've had of the podcast so far. So kudos to you. Um, but one question I had in my mind going into that, and then we just had such a good time that I didn't get to ask that question. So I, if you remember right, I messaged you like a day or two after, I don't even remember if the episode had come out yet, but I was like, Hey, just remembered a question I was meaning to ask you on the podcast and I didn't ask it, so now you have to come back. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and ask that now, because um, I've seen you've talked about Impact Wrestling, AEW and WWE as a whole. 
let's say let's say five years from now um not necessarily your biased opinion but your honest opinion who are we seeing as like the top star the top champion in those three companies like if it's especially if it's a talent that's there currently who do you see as like the wwe champion who do you see as the AEW champion who do you see as an impact champion for WWE, I'll say Carmelo Hayes will okay. be the WWE champion. For AEW, might be a little biased because he's this guy's my husband. Uh, but Daniel Garcia will oh. be the <laughs> AEW World Heavyweight Champion. That's the that's the promoter joke. Like I worked with Daniel one time, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, Kimmy and Daniel Garcia need to like do something." I was like, "Damn, okay." And when I saw him in July. He was working with somebody else, and he said to me, he goes, yeah, the next time I do a signing, you need to work with me. Like, oh. <laughs> I don't like this helper. You need you need to come back. And I was like, oh, that means you're coming back to the East Coast? Let's go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. And I got really excited. Um, For Impact, oh, Impact's so hard because there's not really any, like, hmm. I'll say Joe Hendry. Joe Hendry. I love it. So will be the impact world heavyweight champion. I don't think I've mentioned it on this podcast. I don't think at all. Joe Hendry is my guy in impact wrestling. Like he is my favorite wrestler. I wasn't really at all familiar with him in ring of honor before, you know, when ring of honor shut down. So I, I watched that final ring of honor pay-per-view. Um, so he was there and I didn't even remember him, but then it was just with his vignettes going into last year's bound for glory. And then he came out and I'm like, I don't know what it is about this guy. He has a catchy entrance song. I'm going to wave my arms in the air now, too. And, yeah, he's just... <laughs> I, I I became a fan, and it drives my, my friend Ryan Johnson insane. And hopefully Ryan's listening to this so he'll hear me say, I think he's kind of conforming to being a Joe Hendry fan himself, and it's bothering him to no end. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm I'm all for that answer. But you're right, though, too. Because I guarantee, regardless, five years from now, the Impact roster is going to look entirely different than it is right now. Yeah, exactly. Like It's hard for Impact to give an answer because the Impact roster is already really small. Yeah. And then it's like, who is really new that they're kind of building up right now? There aren't a lot of them. So then it's kind of like, okay, who's a prominent name? Oh, Joe Hendry makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I mean, who knows? Maybe Joe Hendry in five years will be in AEW doing something, but... So, Safe pick right now is Impact World Champion. One one Impact star that really shines to me, and I, I had Des Lorraine on at the end of 2022. I'll probably do that again with him this year as well, where we were talking like end-of-year stats, and we were talking about the best matches of the year and the best wrestlers of the year. And uh, we did a top five, and I believe he was my number two wrestler, and I guaranteed ahead of time that Des wouldn't have even thought of it. And I think it impressed him and some of the listeners as I said, Josh Alexander, I think I listed as number two because like 2022 was his year. And then unfortunately he had an injury. Chances are he would have lost the title to Macklin if they actually had that match. But, you know, injury said, said otherwise. So he didn't even kudos to him. He never lost his title, so to speak. Um, but I don't know. Like I, he, he's, a shining star in Impact Wrestling, but I can't help but to feel that like we may see him in WWE or AEW in the future. What do you think there? I could see it maybe more AEW right. because I know oh he likes his son on the road with him. Like okay. Jet gets very involved with him in Impact. 
So I feel like with AEW, he'll have more of that downtime and he'll have more of that free schedule, unlike WWE. And maybe like, you know, his son does his entrance with him sometimes at Impact. So like, pretty sure AEW will let him do that. I don't think you're going to be seeing that a lot in WWE. So I feel like the AEW Ring of Honor would be more of his style, especially like even in Ring of Honor, like he could be a pretty good pure champion. Like that's most of his style anyway is pure wrestling. So I could see that too rather than WWE, but wouldn't be shocked if you see that within the next five years. I just really hope that his stock continues to build and that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a main event picture in one of those companies because I think he can deliver when he's in the ring. So and you mentioned his son. Um, what, what's your thoughts currently on Chad Gable? Because, uh, like, to me, like, I don't know. He he's he's never really seemed to find the right footing for him. He's very talented, and I sure as heck wasn't expecting him to win the Fatal Four Way on Monday. But then he got to have a moment with his son, who had an exact replica of Chad Gable's gear on himself too, which I thought was amazing. But what's your thoughts of Chad Gable? No, I think the only reason he won that. Of four way matches because they were in his hometown. So he wanted to give him the hometown bop. Not gonna lie. Like, that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, oh, Chad Gable's gonna win because they're in Minnesota. Like, that, that makes sense. Right. So, at first, I was not, I thought Alpha Academy was the dumbest thing. I was like, yeah. this is so stupid. Like, this is what you're wasting, like, Chad Gable on like when he was with Jason Jordan like that was really good and now you're putting it with Otis like why but it's so good Maxine Dupree being in there makes it 20 times better it's one of the more entertaining parts of Monday Night Raw and I mean like he he I think right now is like some of his best WWE work so although I know he's going to lose to Gunther I think the match is going to be really good I think so too and that's where like you know Mustafa Ali got the the championship shot in Saudi Arabia where I was shocked that he won that battle royal. I was like, it's not going to be Ali. And then he wins. I'm like, well, now he gets to go to Mecca. That's cool with him being Muslim. That's that's cool for him. And, you know, all of a sudden, and he, I, I told uh, told Ryan Johnson this, my, my friend who I watch most of the pay-per-views with, and, you know, he's a, been a producer of uh, Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk in the past. I said, all right. Mustafa Ali is not going to win the Intercontinental title here, but he's at least going to put on a good match. And that's exactly what he did. And I kind of expect the same with Chad Gable going into whenever he's getting his championship match with Gunther, but the same result that Mustafa Ali had too. So I want to say like he's come away since Shorty G, but then at the same time, like when he was Shorty G, he was in some of those like, huge multi-man matches where he was like on team smackdown and he'd be like eliminated first but it was like he was making a name for himself it just wasn't the right gimmick and so it was nice to see him go back to chad gable and yeah i mean like you said it's alpha academy has really become something in comparison to where it was so i'm excited to see maxine have like you know she had that like one match but like see her do more i think she she has a bright future too. Like we talk about people with bright futures. I see something really bright for her. Absolutely. I, I had something else in mind and I, I lost my train of thought cause I, we, we ended up talking more about Chad Gable than I was expecting there, but I don't know. Um, let's say I'm going to ask you then Roman Reigns and Gunther both. Who are the ones that are going to stop their title reigns? Uh, see the problem with Gunther, right? Right, is like you can make the argument that when he loses that IC title, he's gonna defeat either Raw, um, well, 
I'll say that Gunther's going to be the one to defeat Rollins. Okay. That's my prediction. He will be the one to defeat Rollins. I don't know. I'll, um, see, I don't know because LA Knight's on SmackDown. I would say LA Knight would be a good IC champion. Because he was on Raw. Like, he's in that feud with The Miz on Raw. Right. So I feel like LA Knight. Sure. Let's okay. say LA Knight. LA okay. Knight will be the one to stop Gunther. I don't know for Reigns. I want to say someone within the bloodline. I don't know who, okay. but someone within the bloodline is going to be the one to dethrone the tribal chief. So, like, ultimately, where because I, I have my mindset, whether people like it or not, that's going to be Cody Rhodes. I think he wins the Rumble again, and then this time does finish the story at WrestleMania, which in turn means he does not get Rollins' world title at all between now and then. But I don't know. Sounds like you're not on board with that idea. <laughs> I think... Gunther's gonna win and then challenge Rollins at WrestleMania in Philly, and then Gunther's gonna defeat Rollins at WrestleMania. Okay, okay, but that would start with a Royal Rumble victory. Yeah, because I feel like you know he had such a great showing. He was the Iron Man, I believe. He he came in number one. He lasted yep. the entire time. Yep. He lasted, I believe, it was like fifty-four minutes. So I think he does deserve something. Like I said, like. He'll challenge for that title as soon as he loses the IC title. So maybe even at the Royal Rumble, he loses to LA Knight earlier in the night. He comes in the Royal Rumble in like the middle and then goes on, wins it, and then challenges Rollins. Like I could see that. I don't see Rollins' title reign ending within the year 2023. I think he holds it for the rest of the year. I think that's fair. I'm probably wrong. But well, let's just go with what we're at right now. And that was what I was getting, where I said I had something else in mind, and I spaced it when we were talking about Chad Gable. I reached out to you recently. I hadn't talked to you in a while, and then you know, of course, I brought you on the podcast. But besides that, we've had one conversation in recent memory, and it was I was building up where I had a whole podcast episode where I just talked about L.A. Night. Do you ultimately seeing where? Where things are at now, I'm going to just kind of give away that you thought it was a big travesty uh, that he did not win Money in the Bank. Is that still your thought process? Yes. I think... I, so I, I know why they gave it to Damien, because obviously like you're building this tension between the Judgment Day. Right. It makes sense storyline-wise, but LA Knight was the most popular person in Money in the Bank. And Money in the Bank was another pay-per-view. I didn't watch live. I forgot where I was. See, I'm always traveling with WWE pay-per-views. Like, <laughs> I was traveling for that works. one, but... <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I was working with Britt actually in oh. Philly. That's why I couldn't watch it. I was working with Britt. So I didn't watch it live. I watched it two days later. And I remember like people were coming on Twitter, like Ellie Knight was the most over person. He got the loudest pop and he didn't win. And I remember watching it, I was like, Wow, they were right. This dude really did get the loudest pop and he didn't win. Why? So I just don't know what they were really waiting for. Like what happened on Monday with LA Knight and The Miz, I think, could really be something. And maybe that's the start of this bigger push for LA Knight. But I still think he should have won Money in the Bank. I think that was really stupid. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I won't argue with you. Whether I agree or disagree, I asked you your opinion. So there we have it. We have uh, been talking for quite a while, so we'll probably have to wrap things up here. But with... Just with how long the conversations are going, it just goes to show um, that you're gonna have to come back again at some point. So, if you're up number for three. it, yep, number three, we'll, we'll have to do the three, Pete. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, this was another great episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. Special guest Kimmy Sokol. Future of Kimmy Sokol, so bright. I will say it again. So, uh, thank you again for for coming on the Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast today. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so, honored to be back, and I'm already looking forward to episode number three. All right. There you, there you have it there. Um, any other shout-outs or plugs you want to do before we get going here? So August 20th, I'll plug my next convention because I know that this episode will air before August 20th, yep. can I assume? Yeah, no, it, it, it right. will. It will air. Before awesome. Then. So August 20th, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, we have Russell Besh 2. I will be working with the Lucha Brothers and Alex Abrahente, so they will be added to my long list of wrestlers that I get to work with. So that'll be really cool. Um, DDP is going to be there. JR is going to be there. Athena is going to be there. There's over 50 different talents. So if you're in the area, please go check it out. The Asylum do an amazing job running this convention. It was their first time last year doing it, and it was so much fun. Their headliner was Kevin Nash. He yelled at me. That's a whole other story for a whole different day. <laughs> um, but they do an amazing job. So make sure to go check that out because they're amazing people and they deserve to have a really successful convention up here. And yeah, that's about it for me. You can follow me on Twitter at Kimmy underscore Sokol. I finally got over a thousand followers, so I think I'm making it somewhere Ooh, in the Twitter world. There you are. All right. Well, it was a, it was a lot of fun having you on. I am also looking forward to the three-peat. Uh, but thank you again for coming on. It was a blast. Of course. Thank you. Yep. So again, as alluded, this was another episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with appearance number two of more to come from Sim- from Kimmy Sokol. Wow. Sorry that about that. Kimmy Sokol, guesting on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Johnny Cadillac. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone. <laughs>